things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero Carbon East Hall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 5, Adjust, Stop, The Tories. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it is in. And I'll tell you what, Dale Vince, <laughs> there's a lot of green stuff in. Or, if you're the Labour Party, is it green stuff out? Okay. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, it does look like that, doesn't it? I mean, this was a really big week in, uh, in that respect. It was yesterday, wasn't it, that... The media spent all day speculating that uh, Keir Starmer was going to abandon his 28 billion pledge to spend on green initiatives every year, like they've spent the last few weeks, actually. And, I, you know, I was on all kinds of media during the day saying, well, look, we're still speculating. Come on. But at five o'clock, he, he announced it, actually. But he hasn't abandoned it. And I've been saying all day, look, it's, you guys are fretting over whether it's being ditched or whether it's being nailed to the mast. And I think the truth is in the middle. He's saying, look, we're going to look and see what money we've got and spend what we can, which is entirely sensible. As it turns out, what he announced at five o'clock was exactly that. The Guardian said he'd halved it. Elsewhere, I could see that they said it had been reduced to one-sixth of what it was. I don't know what the real numbers are. But it is a dramatic reduction in not the ambition, but the kind of pledge to spend because of the economic downturn. I mean, the, the critics of Labour say, well, hang on a second. They've been banging on about this 28 billion figure for a long time. They didn't need to really put a figure on it. And that's really what's bitten them in the butt. If they'd started, if they'd started <laughs> off with a figure of 14 billion, half of that, that would have still been an impressive number and nobody would have blinked. That's true. But maybe that's with the benefit of hindsight, right? Because I think the 28 billion comes from the Climate Change Committee. They said a few years ago, this is the cost of getting to net zero by 2050, which is in law in our country and all that kind of stuff. And Labour, I think, simply adopted that because it's quite sensible, right? If that's what we have to spend, that's what we'll do. But I also agree that the 28 billion figure itself has become a a burden. It's, it's an arbitrary figure. It's it's detached for most people from reality. You know, it doesn't have, I don't know, a lot of resonance or, or, or something. It's become its own problem, 28 billion. You're still confident that the Labour Party will be green enough and ambitious enough, Dale, in all of the things that need attending to? Well, look, you know, it's like a football six-pointer. You know how they go in a relegation battle or a battle at the top even, you know, when you play your rivals and if you win and they lose, the difference, the swing is arguably six points. This is exactly the same as that, right? Labour could pledge 5 billion, 10 billion, uh, you know, whatever it is. But however far they go in that direction is going to be completely opposite to what the Tories are doing in the opposite direction. You know, we're talking about 3 billion chucked at uh, Rosebank, which is an uneconomic North Sea oil project. But anyway, it doesn't matter. All of the money they're chucking at fossil fuels, all of the subsidies, they're pulling in the wrong direction and it's wasted. And so, you know, will Labour be greener than the Tories? That's a very low bar. And I think, in effect, there's a six-pointer going on here because Labour are pulling in one direction, Tories are pulling in the exact opposite direction. And we can't but fail to get a far greener government than we have now and actually w that we've ever had. What could be interesting after the election, the Tories are going to go either, what they normally do is go absolutely f 
bonkers and and start appointing like weird people into positions and then they go oh, it didn't really work that did it so let's rethink so they'll probably do that for a bit but what could happen is they could eventually end up with a quite a green tory leader who kind of outgreens the labor party i'm talking about a few years down the line oh oh you mean if they lose or after they yeah are, well they are going to lose yeah. aren't they so after they yeah. after they've lost they'll probably have this couple of years of turmoil where people talk seriously about bringing liz <laughs> trust back more of her in a few moments and so that's the kind of sort of <laughs> sorry, sorry that's, that's going on in their heads <laughs> that sentence is crazy people talk seriously about bringing Liz well, Truss yeah, back. Uh, that, right. that, that, that doesn't work, right? That's an oxymoronic well, sentence. Well, she had this press conference and people actually turned up to it. I mean, not many, but some oh, no. actually did. But <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But yeah, there is the yeah, possibility yeah. that the kind of David Cameron moment, but someone who actually means it, could suddenly pitch up <laughs> on the blue benches um, and kind of out green Starmer. I mean, which I'm sure you'd encourage in a curious way. It reminds me of that uh, that old uh, kind of concept that if you stick a monkey in front of a typewriter and you wait uh, enough millions of years, you'll write a yeah. Shakespearean type novel. You know, I, I think we're into that realm of territory. When would, did we last have a serious Tory leader? You know, that's serious about anything except self promotion and their own career. I don't know, but I think what's more likely, actually, is that uh, the Tories will go hard right, not green at all but the very opposite, more of the opposite than they already are. And I think Reform UK are actually hoping to inhabit the dead skin of the Tory party after the election and, you know, put that on and, and become the new Tory party. They're super hard, right? I mean, their mission is to destroy the Conservative party. I like that so much. I'm thinking of funding them. <laughs> I'm serious too. I, I can't laugh too loud because I've had this man flu thing going on. If I start to laugh, I start to cough and then it doesn't stop. Uh, and we'd be here for the next 30 minutes. But yeah, I quite like that idea. The dream team, Richard Tice and Dale Vince. Come on. I say vote for these f***ers because then we'll get a Labour government. Well, he likes you because I think, didn't you come on my programme debating with him once? Oh, I'm that's sure true, you yeah. Did. And, you know, he wasn't a bad guy to talk to. No, he's a lovely guy. Richard's a lovely bloke. But, you know, you Same found us, right? there's the issue with politics, isn't it? You go, you know, some people you bump into, whether they're the left or the right, somewhere in the middle, you think, I want to hate these bastards. And then you go, actually, they're all right. Whereas Rishi Sunak, I don't like the look of him. I've never spoken to him. But what he did in Parliament this week, that transphobic joke uh, in the presence of the mother of that murdered teenager, I thought that was beyond the pale. And worse than that, I saw afterwards his interviews in which he justified it. And twice he was allowed to say this and the interviewer didn't challenge him. He said he was merely making a point that Keir Starmer has a series of U-turns, about 30 of them, and he listed about five of them. And he was making a point that he doesn't have a plan. He said it twice. But what should have been thrown back to him was this. If you have a list of 30 things, 30 examples of U-turns, you do not need to punctuate it with a transphobic joke in front of the mother of a murdered teenager. His point was just to do my sort of, uh, put, put my news night <laughs> Balance down. <laughs> so the, the, the theory goes that this is a constant thing the Prime Minister has jibed Keir Starmer over, that he can't define what a woman is. So that's the that's the thrust of it. But, but that wasn't required when the mother of the murdered trans teenager is in the house, and well, he knew it. That wasn't required to make the U-turn point. He was making a U-turn point. Indeed. He, he says, he says. He says, yeah. As, as it turned out, she actually wasn't in there at that moment, but he didn't know that. That's the point and i reckon what had happened dale is his advisors and this is where it goes so wrong in politics his advisors gone whatever you do rishi you've got to get 
the line in about Kia doesn't know how to define a word. You've got to get that in. And he was so obsessed with getting it in, he forgot everything else around him. And he can't say he didn't know that the, the girl's mother was there because at the very beginning of Prime Minister's Question Time, Keir Starmer announced that she was there and he okay. made a point of saying that she was there. So I know, look, there's an argument that says politicians yeah. should not have to hold back because of who's sitting in a public gallery. Ordinarily, I would get that, sure. but I think there is such a thing as subtlety and decorum. I don't accept any of that. If he had been told she was in the house, he did not need to make that transphobic joke. He didn't need to do it. And yet politicians shouldn't hold back, according to the audience. But there is no place for transphobia. There is no place for racism. He didn't make a racist joke, did he? But he's saying it's not transphobia. He's saying he's just pointing out that Keir Starmer doesn't know what a woman is. He made a joke of the issue. I mean, it's transphobic. Yeah, he wanted he wanted a laugh. That You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. That, that's what he was hoping. And he got his laugh from the titters on the back benches. And then he didn't apologise and he wouldn't apologise. And instead he tried to brass it out and claim he was making a political point about U-turns. Well, f*** he wasn't, right? He just, he just yeah. wasn't. He could have made his U-turn point, and he did, without punctuating it with a transphobic joke. Well, as me old nan used to say about Rishi Sunak, what a c- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, was, I had that exactly in my head as you said it. <laughs> Well, again, I can't laugh. I will cough. (laughs) And splutter all over the mic. Indeed. Uh, Another big story this week, Dale. Uh, World's first year-long breach of the key 1.5 Celsius warming limit. I mean, this was a huge story. It should have got, frankly, more press than it did. What can I say? It's like, it's just another record. We're breaking records left, right and centre. And this this one is a year-long, one and a half degree. That's the Paris threshold. Uh, Apparently, it doesn't quite breach the Paris threshold because that is a multi-year target. So one year is not enough to... (laughs) to worry about. I don't think anybody says that. Or maybe Rishi Sunak says that. I mean, it's a lot to worry about, right? We hit one and a half degrees as an event at all about 10 years earlier than climate scientists first thought. I mean, that was just last year. And this year is forecast to be the hottest year ever. Last year already was. So that's like two in a row. The world is cooking. And people like Rishi Sunak are saying, we need to drill for more oil and gas. We need to dig for coal. I mean, WTF is going on. Well, I think the clue was in the two words, Rishi Sunak. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I mean, God. Back, what, back what, to Manan. That's all I can say. To, yeah. <laughs> what, what is he doing there? Right. What's he, what's he doing leading our country? We didn't vote for him. The Tories didn't even vote for him. I think he knows this stuff, though. I genuinely think he's an intelligent bloke, sort of law abiding, family guy. He doesn't drink. I know he came from the banking kind of thing. I think he knows all this stuff. But he's been seduced into taking a certain line because his advisors and his handlers have said that is your best chance of reducing the labor damage at the next election. I think he's an idiot in that case, yeah. if that's true, if that's true. I, I think the job for him is just uh, like like for Cameron, it's just ticking the CV box. You know, I mean, oh, I was once prime minister of the, the UK, you know, he's going to live in America, this fella. He had a green card before he became our prime yeah, minister, true, true. which means he's pledged to go and live in America. He doesn't want to be here. He's here for the glory of being in number 10 and he'd like to extend it a little longer. We need to get him the f- out of there as soon as possible. <laughs> we need, well, sorry, I'm swearing in this episode, I've got a bit of frustration. <laughs> you know, but he's running away from the polls. He won't call an election. We're in stasis. He's doing incredible damage to our country in the meantime, and he doesn't even want to be here. And on the plus side, uh, there's not one. Except he can only run for so long. By the end of this year, he has to call an election, and he'll be gone. 
Here's a question from Paula. It says, Dale, we'll be interested to hear your opinion on the recent French farmers' protests. I lived in France for 10 years and admired the way they protected their way of life. However, I understand that the French government's intention is to reduce carbon emissions, and of course that impacts on livestock farmers. But what are your views on the French government's intentions? And of course, this isn't just France. There's quite a lot of other countries, not just about, there's lots of other debates and they differ from country to country. But there is, it seems, a little bit of a body of evidence that farmers are taking a hit in order for countries to hit net zero. You could say that oil companies are taking a hit in order for countries to reach net zero, except they're not yet, but they're in the crosshairs, right? We have to stop oil and gas. So, I mean, this is where I basically come from. If it's livestock farming, we have to stop it. And we have to start by reducing it. And I think one of the other countries you might have had in mind is is Holland, where they've declared they're going to have a 30% reduction in livestock in order to get their carbon footprint down. I mean, I think that's that's brilliant. And I, I don't know what exactly what's happening in France in terms of targets, but reducing livestock farming is just perfectly logical because it's livestock farming that's driving the climate crisis. It's, but of it's, course, the farmers would say, well, hang on a second. Yeah, well, well, even if that is right, this is our livelihood. Yeah. What do we do? Grow something else. Grow plants. Because we still need to eat. We just have to eat something different. Justin says, do you regret not sticking with the Green Party now that Starmer has (laughs) U-turned? Sorry. (laughs) Okay. I'm tickled. You should just laugh for half an hour. Uh, Maybe I should. It'd probably make me feel better. (laughs) <laughs> well, ranting can help you feel better too, but laughing makes, I'm feeling all good now, now that I've had a good laugh. Look, um, I'm laughing because I've, I've never abandoned the Green Party. I mean, you know, it's, it's full of people who I either know or agree with anyway, but, you know, are friends of mine. And I like what they stand for and, and all that kind of stuff, but they can never form the government. Keir Starmer still can, and yeah. I think still will. And no, I mean, I haven't abandoned them and I regret nothing. And uh, I'm, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the most important thing is that we have a Labour government. Then we have the chance to get a Green government. We have no chance otherwise. We haven't done this for a little while, Dale. It's a bit of right, what was it called? Right wing. Right wing nuts. The right wing nuts, isn't it? I'm just going to say right wing watch. That sounds like a combo with bird watch. It does, doesn't it? Or, yeah. or Where's Chris Packham when we need him? <laughs> um, anyway, right wing nut, Liz Truss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm in full on <laughs> laughing mode now. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to stop. Well, I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> oh, that's like being at school when you when you don't laugh, and that makes you want to laugh so much more, right? Uh, indeed, yes. Uh, and then, of course, the teacher also, what we didn't realize as kids, the teacher knows, <laughs> and they're loving every bit of it. Bit of S&M from uh, the teacher. Let's talk about the letters anyway. Come on. Yeah, come on. Liz Truss is offering lessons on how to be popular, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I saw some of her clips, and honestly, it was like, talk about denial she said um actually lots of people are uh, supporters of the conservatives they they just won't admit it <laughs> like come on what are you saying what are you saying voters are in denial i mean it's just brilliant it's, i mean the tories often say this oh it's not that we've got the wrong policies it's just that we're not communicating them properly liz truss's policies tanked the pound almost crushed our economy and she got ejected from office in in about a month costing the whole country 30 billion pounds international money markets turned their backs on the uk because of her policies there was no communication problem here it's kind of strange isn't it that if you'd lasted 44 days as, as prime minister uh, and you don't need a you know, PhD in politics to know that that's a bit shit. <laughs> yes. Plus crash the economy in just 44 days. 
you might just not go out in public for a couple of years, <laughs> let alone mobilize a press conference alongside Reese Mogg, Lee Anderson and others yeah. uh, look, asking for a return to the very values that f***ed it up in the first place. Yeah. And Lee Anderson, did you see what he said? It was like a comedy show. He was, he was up on stage and he was musing about the fact that uh, fossil fuels are made from plants. And it's like he asked the audience, that's right, isn't it? And somebody must have said, yes. He said, I thought it was. And, and they may be millions of years old, but they're made of plants. So when, when we burn them, they're carbon neutral. That's sustainable, isn't it? He said. <laughs> so he was kind of asking this as almost a question as well as a statement. Yeah. Yeah, as if he was like uh, discovering some new truth while he was at the lectern. I mean, it's obviously not a new truth. The idea that fossil fuels are sustainable, the the whole problem, and everybody knows this, I'm pretty sure, is that we're burning fossil reserves, carbon reserves in effect, that were locked up millions and millions of years ago. And so we're making, we're creating an abnormal amount of carbon in the atmosphere. There's nothing sustainable about fossil fuels. But he said it was at the launch of this thing called Popcon. I mean, by the way, if you wanted any evidence of like stupid, stupidity just the na- <laughs> didn't anybody around the table go this might kind of fail on a number of levels pop apart from it sounds like popcorn other than that the word con is emphasized uh, the word pop just sounds a little bit like something your grand might say i mean it, it's just wrong on every level right it's just weird just weird absolutely uh, just weird and it says here that nigel farage was a star guest of the launch and he dismissed the group and said uh Sunak yeah. would completely ignore them they got little farage in for it what kind of star guest dismisses the group that he's that's right star yeah, they said, well hey star guest what did you think of it he went, well it was a crock of old shit frankly <laughs> they're all rubbish they're all gonna lose uh final question from Haley, who says should prime ministers really be making one thousand pound bets about deporting people sunak is so inhumane says Haley. This was a Piers Morgan interview uh, that he did where Morgan got him in a classic kind of Morgan pincer movement, which resulted in Sunak pretty much having to take a bet on whether he'd be deporting people to Rwanda. Yeah. What a muppet, right? It just shows how out of touch he is. With, with, I mean, he has no notion of what it's like to be that kind of immigrant, right? His family are immigrants for sure. Uh, same as Braverman. And uh, what's her name? Am I bad enough? Yeah, Kemi Badenoch or whatever it is. You know, I mean, they're they're all in families of immigrants and they are so hard and aggressive towards immigrants. I don't think they understand what it feels like to actually be on the run from the country that you came from and, and especially to cross the English Channel in small boats and stuff, you know. These people are bastards to immigrants. And here he is. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you a thousand pounds that I do send some of these really unfortunate people to a country with a terrible human rights record uh, in, in Rwanda, right? I mean, what can you I, say? I mean, half an hour ago, if you said someone was going to go to Rwanda, you'd go, oh, serious? Rwanda? Of all places? I mean, they you know, <laughs> killed half their own people in the course of our lifetime. And Lord knows what else yeah. is going on there. You know, this is not a free and safe place to be monkeying around in. And in the height of the tense negotiations around the Rwandan deal, that Rishi Sunak brought a version back to the commons and said, this is the best I can get, because Rwanda says any more than that breaches international law. Yeah. <laughs> obviously implying we were willing to breach international law, but Rwanda was the handbrake on that. I like this, that the Rwandans are going, oh, sorry, you tourists have got <laughs> way too, too far on this. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't be breaching these kind of basic ethical guidelines. Yeah, Dale, that is it for this episode, but we will speak in a week. Nice one. Looking forward to it already.
Don't forget you can, of course, find yeah, me too. Don't forget to follow this podcast. Then you get each episode automatically. And really important, follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash DaleVince, facebook.com slash DaleVince, and on TikTok too. Zero carbon east off.